This is the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experiences were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters, and it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Welcome to episode 55 of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. I'm Matthew Baxley. I'm Joe Fredericks. This is the end of a year. The end of a season. It's been four, to be exact. Four seasons of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. Now, who would have ever thought? I certainly didn't. (laughs) Season one started with an interview with our friends from Germany, Gabby and Warner, and a discussion about some gear used in the Boundary Waters. Yep. And we didn't really know anything about what we were doing. It's debatable whether we know much more than that. (laughs) That's the beauty. (laughs) And it's in the same shape today. Exactly. And it, what's so cool about this milestone and this episode today is, you know, we're talking about how the wilderness so often, how it changes you. And it changed you, Joe Fredericks, Mm -hmm. when you came up here. You got your start. Lugging canoes. Outfitter life. Cleaning canoes, talking fishing, canoe routes, learning the mid-trail area, Poplar Lake, all those entry points on the north side, south side of the Gunflint in that middle Gunflint area, and doing the the grunt work that goes along with working at an outfitter in the summer. It is grunt work. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of... And which is interesting because it's a customer service job, but really, I mean, it's a it's a service to the equipment, service to the gear that comes back from a trip, just maybe soaked in worm guts or uh, somebody sweating sunscreen. I mean, working in an outfitter is a cleanup job. Story from 2013, working at Rockwood Lodge. It's getting to the end of the summer, like late August, right before Labor Day. Season's just starting to come through, but I've now done enough trips through the process that I'm a little more confident in the talk and to mill about in the morning as the groups are heading out. This particular morning, there were probably four different groups going in through Liz and Swamp, Meads, Morgan, a big, big kind of scene happening down at the launch. There's this group that came. I 
referencing back to cleaning up here mm-hmm. in just a minute. There's this group that came a little bit louder the night before up in the bunkhouse. This other group a little more kind of quiet, low-key, wanting to get going. Everyone's just waiting for permits, all the paddles and life jackets to be distributed. This group bought a pound of leeches. We ordered them for them, had them. They're in a clear bag. And then this uh, dog, like a pit bull-looking type dog. From the group? From the other group, from the louder group. The guy in the quiet group's holding this pound of leeches. This dog that's accompanying the louder group comes up, looks at the leeches, and I'm watching this out of the corner of my eye. Bites at the leech bag. (laughs) No. (laughs) Pound of leeches go dropping out onto the ground. Just splits wide open. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, all the water. Most of the leeches come out. Just wiggling and writhing in the ground. Just Just madness. Pound, so oh, however many dozen. That's know. a lot of leeches. And uh, 12 dozen or something. And just leeches just everywhere. Helping the person pick them up or loan them a leech locker to take with. And that's the kind of stuff. Like, that's a that's a great, for me now, it's a great memory yes. of being a trail kid, working up the trail, doing the, doing the work, the day-to-day. It's seven days a week. It doesn't stop once it gets going. And you learn so much about people's experiences. That's where I learned that every trip is a story and every group that comes comes with a story and leaves with a story. Exactly. And there's no better place to learn that dynamic than working it day after day. And for and for for us and for many people like us, that is a a massive introduction into the wilderness uh, because not only are you working it when you get a day off, you're up here for a reason. You got to get out and enjoy it and you got to learn. You want to learn about this place. You want to go be in the place that you're working right next to constantly. And so there's an immersion to spending a summer here. Uh, And that's what today's episode, episode 55 is all about the immersion Right, you went up the trail this summer and met some of the people. And Matthew, uh, I mean, you also got your start doing the grunt work and doing this. We both come. We've talked about this previously on the exactly. podcast. We both got started up there the same way. But you wanted to go check in and kind of follow those roots a little bit, see the next phase, the next generation of you know. We've been eight years now, maybe thereabouts, removed from that scene directly on the ground. So. So what's it like up there? Who's this newer group of people? Will they stick around? Some come and go, some come back. Uh, so you went up there, and, and I'm excited to hear how the Trail Kids 2021, how, how it went in the Boundary Waters. Let's head up to Gunflame. Mm-hmm. Just about anyone who has been to the Boundary Waters knows that the wilderness edge is scattered with outfitters, both large and small, seeking to gear up any traveler heading in on a trip. Some sell and rent out gear, while others offer full packages, including everything from meals to a personal guide. And when the summer paddle season starts, young people from all over the country join forces to keep these outfits operating at maximum capacity. 
Some folks have affectionately taken to calling these seasonal employees the trail kids. So on this day in late summer, I met up with my friend Tia to learn more about her experience of being a trail kid. Now a permanent resident of the area, she got her start by taking a seasonal outfitter job following a family paddle trip. And she reflected to me how the experience changed the course of her life. Boundary Waters for the first time in 2016. It was actually May 23rd, 2016, that I stepped in the Boundary Waters for the first time. I was with my family, and we were being out through, or outfitted through Seagull Outfitters near the end of the Gumpla Trail. And we went out for a few days. We came back, and I was really interested in working at the Outfitter, maybe for the next summer. We headed home, and home at that point for me was about 17 hours away in northwest Tennessee. About an hour before we got to our house, my father got a phone call from Seagull Outfitters and it was the owner. She somehow accidentally had our number and called and my dad was like, oh, well, while you're on the phone with us, I just wanted to ask you some questions about Tia working for you next year. And she stops him. She says, oh. She said, well, I was actually trying to call someone to get another body up here because somebody just dropped out on us for the summer and what is she doing this summer does she want to come back and my dad turns around and says it to me and he said give her till tomorrow morning and so the pressure was on and I was just like oh geez okay um, right now I'm working at my uncle's tractor store this is boring that seems great there seems to be some really fun people up there the boundary waters is awesome uh, not understanding completely what it was but I was like, I'm going to be bold, really, really bold for the first time in my life, and I'm going to say yes. And three days later, I had my bags packed, and my grandparents assisted me in driving 17 hours back up to Seagull Outfitters. And there begins my Boundary Waters story. From there, I ended up working about three summers. Really, it's a story of love, heartbreak, growing up, um, and enjoying the most beautiful place on earth in my mind. And so that first summer was a whole heck of a lot of fun. I can tell you that much. If you imagine a bunch of college-age kids all living together, and you just think about what that might include, then you're probably right. Um, just imagine us in a very rural area where the 10 of us spend every waking hour with each other and um, you get really close with folks and there's something really special about that and I carried many of those friendships with me since that day and I'm still very close with a lot of the people I met and worked with even guests um, that I met my first year um, I had my first romantic relationship that first summer and we had a lot of fun um, didn't end well. It's where the heartbreak part comes in, but I won't go too far into that because we're all human beings. We all experience that at some point, if we're lucky. And I had a few Boundary Waters trips that summer, but was more focused on the socializing and having fun, bonfires, all those good things. And 
as I prepared to come back for my second year, I really came back with a different mindset of not really caring about socializing too much. We, they're still part of that, but I came back with the mindset of getting in as many Boundary Waters miles as I possibly could and truly seeing this wilderness area that I was working with and for and being able to provide the best knowledge and up-to-date information that I could for our guests. And I definitely committed to that and put in hundreds and hundreds of miles and started doing crazy overnight trips where we just had a day or two off and we would go 30 or 40 miles in that time to see everything. And we covered a lot of water and a lot of land. And it was a really amazing thing. And I experienced my first solo trip that summer. And, but beyond that, I really, really kicked some butt that summer, worked really hard and carried that great mindset in. And then finally by my third summer, which was the last one for me, I took both of those summers and I, the first two summers and reevaluated them and tried to find out what this last summer was going to mean for me and what it should mean for me. And should I be chasing miles? Should I be chasing friendships? What am I doing coming back into this third season? Am I just gonna be here? And at that point, there, I didn't really have any returning friends. Um, so that was a little scary, um, but it set me up to be able to really truly experience what I'd been needing to do the whole time. Really being able to slow down a little bit, still get in the miles, but absorb this amazing place, the people I'm around, and the culture of it all. And for me, that was an amazing culmination of everything and I finally had understanding to what this place was probably going to mean to me for the rest of my life. And going through that, I ended my last year and went back, finished my senior year of college, went on a graduation trip with some of my dearest um, female friends from Seagull and we crossed the Boundary Waters by foot on the Kekakabic Trail um, for a few days, took a rest day, and then we went into the Quetico Provincial Park for another 10 days, and it was amazing. Tia was excited to introduce me to this unique community of trail kids so I could get a better understanding of just how life-changing the experience was for her. She assured me that the best way to do that was to join volleyball night at the end of the Gunflint Trail. Hosted at one of the larger outfitters on the eastern edge of the wilderness. There are several outfitters along the Gunflint Trail and each one of those outfitters has younger and older staff members that work there and they all kind of stick to their own groups because they're all very separate. It's a really long trail. And Voyager Canoe Outfitters had the idea quite a long time ago to bring people together by bringing everybody or inviting everybody to their volleyball court right near their staff quarters. Um, and they invite all the outfitters up and down the Gunflint Trail and if they make the trek down, everybody comes and joins together once a week on Thursday nights and play several rounds of volleyball 
hang out by the fire when we can have fires and just enjoy each other's time. After driving 50 winding miles through canoe country, we eventually arrived at our destination to find dozens of young adults gathered for fun in the evening sun. I got to talk to Cassidy, now a general manager and minority owner of the Outfitter who hosts Volleyball Night. She also got her start as a trail kid. So I'm Cassidy, and we are at Voyager Canoe Outfitters for Volleyball Night on the Trail. Um, it's a place for other outfitters to kind of gather and all get together and enjoy a night. It's really important to kind of have everyone get together because the crews become very tight-knit, and that's super awesome. But being able to kind of interact with the different outfitters and kind of network a little bit and make those connections is super cool. So I moved up in 2015 and it was the first place that I ever felt like I was home and so I stayed. <laughs> yeah I mean I just couldn't leave. I, we went traveling to Europe for about a month and all I wanted to do was come home and I was like wow what a feeling to like finally have this place that I can call home. And yeah that was basically the start of it first time I came to the Gunflint Trail, I was moving to the Gunflint Trail, so um, I had never been, I had been to Grand Marais once before that, and then, um, yeah, I decided, Matt decided he was going to come back up and manage, and I was like, sure, let's do it, so I was driving up with my things, and I never left. I just remember, like, rolling my window down and, like, breathing this, like, air I had never breathed before so it was just really special moment super powerful super impactful yeah Matt and I did the Granite River was my first first camping trip um and it was really special I had never really I mean I'd been in a canoe before in life but never canoe camping which was very different um yeah so it was like a really great trip it was rainy and whatever but it was just so quiet I think that was like the biggest thing I remember it was like I had never witnessed or been a part of such quiet places. My first crew that we ever had, um, my friends Maddie and Sarah were on it, and I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, here are these women that I've learned so much from and that I'm so close with and that I just feel so connected with so quickly, and they're going to leave, you know? So it's like, I'm going to stay here, and they're going to kind of move on to, you know, other things in their life, and then after thinking that, I had expressed that to them, and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll always come visit, and... Here we are seven years after that thought, and Maddie has been coming back every summer. Cassidy's friend Maddie made sure to share some of her story about coming to the Boundary Waters to work as a trail kid. She also described discovering something special in this place. Hi, my name is Maddie. Um, I am originally from St. Paul, Minnesota, and I live in Minneapolis when I'm not up here. But here, I live in an ice house in the parking lot of Voyager Canoe Outfitters. So I have been here um, since 2015, almost every summer, kind of on and off. But um, I do a lot of different things, wear a lot of different hats like all of our staff do. Um, I kind of started out as our main like food packer, so I did a lot of the outfitting stuff. But with more experience, I started towboat driving, and now I spend a lot of time in the office. I, I'm an assistant manager, so I help out a lot with dealing with customers and um, kind of showing people. Do I do a lot of routing and um, help out with showing people their routes and kind of getting new people acquainted with what it's like to camp in the Boundary Waters. Before I came up here, I went to Camp Wigiwagan for a while, so I kind of like knew a little bit what it was like to 
to go on a Boundary Waters trip. I did a lot of backpacking trips with them as well. Um, so I had some wilderness experience, but um, my first like week working here, I went on my first ever solo trip, and like it's a totally different experience to like develop your confidence solo. And like I think over time, I've really had to. I don't know, yeah, get more confident in myself and confident enough to to share that with other people too. And I've done some guiding in between summers here as well. So um, it's really, I think, meeting all sorts of different kinds of people and finding a lot of really cool leadership up here has really helped me develop my confidence in the wilderness and really get to know this area. Um, yeah, and I'm working at Chickwalk Museum right now as well, part-time. So. Um, that's been a really cool experience because I get to learn a lot more about the area and also educate other people on what happened before this was the Boundary Waters. I mean, you have to find a balance because, you know, I work a lot. I work two different jobs and, you know, like I said, wear a lot of different hats, but there's a reason that I keep coming to this place and, and that's not necessarily just to grind all the time. Like, I love the work. I really love my jobs and um, those are really special, but I also have to find time to experience the place and especially this community is so special. So I think I try to get out and meet people and you know, have lots of different experiences in the area as much as I can, not just get caught up in, in the work, even though I love it. So yeah. Being up here for seven years, it's, it's really special to have a summer job where you come back and you see familiar faces every year, even whether it's customers who are really awesome and like very friendly and will remember you from year to year, or people that work in different places on the trail. Um, you know, or people that work at Voyager here, like, yeah, you really start to build really meaningful relationships, which I think, as an adult, it can be hard to find those relationships. Once you're, I've graduated college, you know, three years ago now, so it's really nice to be able to have a place where you can still meet people in such a genuine way. So, yeah. It's not lost on me that early adulthood is a period in life often marked by discovery and exploration. Some young people may leave home to travel or go to college, while others may stay close to their hometown and family. Regardless, this is a time of discovering oneself and forming a unique identity. It can also be a time of searching for belonging. So what happens when a young person spends one or more summers living and working on the edge of the wilderness? My name is Clay. Uh, I work at Voyager Canoe Outfitters, and I've been working here for four years. I am the one of the assistant managers, and started out just working seasonal, and you know, now working more of a managerial kind of role is pretty interesting. Uh, before I came up here. I was just kind of working, like, uh, installing beer taps, so nothing too crazy, and then I just kind of was looking for something different, and I uh, found a job up here, and, you know, loved it the minute I came up here, so. I didn't really have much of an idea, I just kind of came up on a whim. Like, driving up here, I was, was a little unsure, you know, I wasn't, it's like, this is a long road, you know. <laughs> Like, am I going the right way? I don't know. But um, then, you know, when I got here, immediately felt like welcomed because, you know, I immediately recognized that, that it was beautiful here, you know, and I met some really cool people here. So when I started, I mostly drove tow boats and did a lot of gear cleaning and, you know, a little bit of packing and stuff. So, you know, 
it's uh, definitely, you know, walking a lot every day and just heavy lifting. And it doesn't really feel like work when you're out there just driving across SAG, you know. It's pretty nice. And then for fun stuff, um, like we go fishing a lot, and obviously we get to go on a lot of Boundary Waters trips and stuff, so. My favorite times are like the random times after work where we all just get together and go for a hike or whatever, you know. We just kind of, you just kind of have to set, like, you know, just say like, all right, today we're going fishing after work, you know, just kind of. Because that's really the whole thing about being up here. If you don't take the time to enjoy it, then it's just another job, you know. I just really like uh, the people that I work with here. And you get to meet new people every year, and they're always great. You know, not just anybody comes up here. It takes a certain type of person, and most of the time they're all pretty special. So a lot of good people come up here. It probably won't surprise you that my friend Tia is a natural leader and her time and experiences in this region has only supported that development. After the seemingly endless rounds of volleyball wrapped up, Tia turned the music down and gathered the herd into a giant circle to learn about this generation of trail kids and what their time has been like. Okay, so can we shout out what outfitters or other places are represented here tonight? Seagull Outfitters. Tuscarora. Better see that louder. <laughs> Tuscarora. Voyager. Awesome. So the end of the trail kids. We're all trail kids. Pretty cool thing. So what's um what's special about everybody getting to come together on Thursday nights? Volleyball. <laughs> yeah, volleyball. It's nice to get to meet everybody like in Everybody from different outfitters, it's like, and we live right next to each other and we don't know each other at all. But like, get together on volleyball every every Thursday and get to know each other a little bit is fantastic. I love that answer. Yeah. That's a good answer. I would say it takes the edge off. It allows people to take a break, take you know, realize we're all here for the same reason. Whether you're from this outfit or that outfitter, everyone can connect on a level, is what I think. Has anybody been on any crazy Boundary Waters trips this summer? I went to Sawville and back <laughs> in a day. I did my first solo and then I thought it was kind of creepy right away sleeping by myself, but then second solo trip, I absolutely loved it. Um, let's say the Ely Challenge. Oh, yeah. What's that? Free paddle from Sag to Ely and back in 24 hours. And back? Oh. Yeah, and you have to hike, you have to hitchhike to town and like send a postcard and it's like a 24 hour thing. That was definitely the most challenging physically and mentally thing I've ever done up here. Yeah, I get a day off. You start at, you start at like nine o'clock at night, you paddle through the night. Oh my it's not, yeah, you start on a full moon. You have to do it on a full yeah, moon. For sure. I think I started at 9.15 at night. Each person has a different take on what has made the experience unique and special. It shouldn't be surprising that rugged wilderness trips are not the draw for everyone. But there is so much joy in some of the little things. My name is Megan, and probably the most exciting thing was cliff jumping. My name's Kyle. My favorite part is living with all of my friends. My name is Alyssa, and my favorite part is my high school best friend, Miss Emma Rothwell, is here with me. 
I'm Anthony, and I thought the Grand River was pretty cool. My name is Emma, and my favorite thing is probably the volleyball. <laughs> Hi, I'm Claire, and one of my favorite things this summer is sitting out in the floaties with my coworkers. Dylan, and yeah, the staff dynamic is really good this year. We all get along great. I'm Margie, and I like the expired food we get. <laughs> My name's Paul, and my favorite thing is just the trips we get to do. My name is Ryan, and I just love how beautiful everything is up here. My name is Ryan, and I like to hear how people's trips went. My name's Finley. Uh, my favorite thing about the Gunflint is probably the rocks. <laughs> I'm Maggie, and one of the most exciting things that I've done up here is it was one of the windiest, coldest, rainiest days ever on SAG, and we had this huge pickup at Red Rock, and we were just five boats on a line headed to go pick up a big group of people and it was pretty fun. My name is Lucia and the best thing I've done so far is I went for a camping trip with my coworker Emma and it was so much fun. <laughs> Can't wait to get out there again. <laughs> my name's Isabel and I really like to see all the wildlife out here. My name's Tessa and I've really been enjoying all the moose I get to see. My name is Paige, my favorite thing so far this summer was paddling in Lake Superior for the fireworks on the 4th. My name's Austin. Uh, my favorite part about this year has been coming back. My name is Michael, and uh, I've truly been uh, enjoying the views out here, something I've uh, never really experienced before. I'm Abby. I think my favorite part has been just all the little moments when you get a pause and you just get to be like, wow, this is really cool, and I'm having a super great time with all these people that I've met. At the end of the summer, many of the trail kids return home, go back to school, or move on to another passion in life. But some continue to come back year after year until it becomes clear that this place has already become home. I don't know that I always knew I was gonna stay. I think that was gradual for me. I think when I, when I first came up, I was like, yeah, this would be cool for a while. And then years passed and more years passed and I still found myself here. And um, at this point, this is where I'm gonna stay and this is my home, but... Um, yeah, I don't know exactly if there was like an aha moment other than, you know, just falling in love with the space and the surroundings and the people I get to meet. I mean, our staff is new every year. We have some returners, but like we get to meet some amazing young people. So that's really special and all of them teach me something. So that's really cool. I had plans to go on and do a master's program and was well in, was getting ready to move out to Oregon, and it didn't feel right. But I knew something else felt right. I knew where I wanted to be, and I knew I wanted to be up here in northern Minnesota. And so I dropped that master's program, quickly got a job in housekeeping and bartending, um, which was a new experience for me. It was very hard, but I busted my butt for a little over half a year and finally fell into my stride um, after I got a new job and I'm still sticking with that job and I'm really happy and I've started to solidify more of a life here in northern Minnesota. It's not the easiest place to to set your roots in but I'm getting there and I can thank being able to be a trail kid for all of that and for bringing me this amazing place that I'm going to cherish for every second that I breathe through the rest of my life.
And I have to mention that one person came up again in this story of learning about the trail kids. It's a person we hear about often, and whenever she pops up, she's worth remembering. I had the really unique and special opportunity to get to know Janice, um, who worked, <laughs> was a cash bay ranger, and she, I have to say, is like someone <laughs> that, that I, yeah, will always look up to, and um, she told me so many, so many stories about the area, and like, yeah, she's just really an incredible woman, and I've always wanted to be her, basically. <laughs> I see her face, yeah, I totally understand. Um, but yeah, she she's just like such a powerful and incredible woman, and like really encouraged me, you know, even after she passed away, unfortunately, this year, like, she really encouraged me to take my job, job at Chick Walk and really start to pass down some of the history of the area. Um, <laughs> me emotional too, but yeah, she's just, I mean, I don't even really know how to describe it, but like going to visit her at Cache Bay and having her explain the history of the Quetico to me and, and I don't know, just she's just an incredibly empowering person and I think had such an impact on so many people. So that's definitely the mo probably the most special thing that, that ever happened to be up here. So yeah. I hope that everyone that she met and every person's heart that she touched like will carry out at least a piece of her on and and really be able to share that with others and yeah we all have to kind of spread that load out don't we yeah definitely and no one can take that on on their own so yeah thank you so much for sharing that any last words i don't think so thank you so much for taking the time to interview all of us and come spend some time at volleyball night <laughs> i gotta get out on the sand here pretty yeah, soon your turn. <laughs> Well, you know you're always going to get me with a story about Janice Matichuk at the end. She always finds her way. <laughs> That's right. As we've learned, uh, Janice has reached many, many people. And uh, beautiful to hear the connection, Matthew, of our own journey, as we said at the beginning of this episode, our process through working at the Outfitters, learning that meeting people like Janice along the way, other people, kind of these iconic figures, and that she and others are still impacting and reaching this next generation of people working at the Outfitters 2021. Amazing. It's incredible. I want to give a special thank you to Tia Parks for um, helping with the story and making so much of it happen, and to... Uh, Matt and Cassidy for being so gracious with uh, hosting us diving into volleyball night. Uh, every single one of these young people that chimed in to share. Uh, you made outfitting on the eastern end of the wilderness possible this last paddle season. We hope to see you again out there. And big thanks to all of you across the entire wilderness for keeping the trips going from Echo Trail in Ely, to the Arrowhead Trail, in Hovland. Let's keep it going. And interestingly enough, Tia's going to be back in our next episode. That's right. That's the hope. We have a lot of ambitious plans for the start of Season 5. We're, we're, we're closely watching things like the weather mm -hmm. and planning for some new year's festivities and things early 
on for 2022, which coincides with the start of season five. It's going to be an amazing set of adventures coming out in the next couple episodes. We'll keep you updated as we've been doing with some any other news from the Boundary Waters that uh, surfaces along the way. We've had so much fun in these four seasons putting this podcast together for everyone. And thanks for being on the journey. Or if you're just discovering the podcast, uh, welcome, welcome. And know that we are, in many ways, just getting started. Totally. And, you know, it's it's sort of evolving as it goes. And, you know, we're both more comfortable, I'd say, in the wilderness than a, a lot of these media platforms. But I just want to say a special thanks to we're you know we have this Instagram account on uh, for the podcast uh, WTIP Bannerwars podcast on Instagram and you know it's been you know I, I don't spend a lot of time on there but a lot of folks have been really um, encouraging through that account and sharing their appreciation for the podcast sharing their stories sharing the things that they're excited about for their upcoming seasons winter and summer and it just means a lot you know to read those myself, to share those with Joe, and to have these ways of continuing to interact with you all, our listeners, whether that's through your emails um, or social media. We love that. That makes it so fun for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Please keep reaching out to us. We're going to keep creating the content, doing the adventures. The best part of making a podcast about the Boundary Waters is going to the Boundary Waters. That's exactly what we're going to do at the start of Season 5, so stay tuned as long as uh, Matthew doesn't uh, back out. Wait, 30, 30 below? Oh. Th- 35 below? <laughs> with, with or without wind chill? <laughs> You'll find out! <laughs> I just sing when I paddle Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true out in the night the waves beat the shore you can hear them pounding you can hear them roar oh me rock me in my dreams you can roll me rock me in my dreams so i like to sing i love to dance i play the fool if i got the chance all around Campfire light all around the campfire light all around all around all around the campfire light.